This week, I'm with John Hurd, who is founding member of a group called Newcastle United Supporters Against Sport Washing. It's obviously kind of timely conversation with things heating up in the, the bid for Manchester United right now. John, thanks for joining me. Thanks for inviting me. Eh? I'd kind of come across your profile on Twitter because I spotted some of your messages talking about the takeover at Newcastle and seen the pylon that you have managed <laughs> managed to to gain as a result of that, which which is unsurprising. And I thought we could get into some no. of the topics. But but yeah. first, tell us about the tell us about yourself and about the group and why you have started this. Probably against the many headwinds given what came before and since. Well, despite what the detractors say on Twitter, I'm a lifelong Newcastle fan. You can probably hear from my accent. I haven't got a Sunderland accent at all. In fact, I've got a felon accent. I'm from Gateshead, you know, <laughs> other side of the river. But uh, yeah, all my life I've been a Newcastle fan. And uh, I've travelled around a bit. I used to follow Newcastle, all the away matches in the 80s. I was working in London. And, you know, you know, it's part of your life, you know, part of the culture. Right. It's, it's obviously the same for Man United fans as, as, as well. And I've, I know I've been involved, you know, in another life, you know, ages ago with the founding of Reclaim the Game. You know, I was involved around the Hillsborough stuff because I was like working for the Young Socialist, Labour okay. Party Young Socialist at the time. And we were involved in the campaign against the ID cards. Remember? Yes. Yeah, probably yeah. too young to be with Thatcher trying to bring them in, but also the Hillsborough stuff as well. And and, uh, you know, that sort of was my formation of, like, the politics and football, you know. And uh, one of the things I was always into was, like, uh, having greater ownership for fans, you know. And basically, you know, at the end of the day, I'm, I'm in favour of, like, fan ownership of clubs, you know. And this, this pamphlet that, I mean, John Reed, who's a QPR fan, actually, it's, it's, quite, it's quite a famous pamphlet, but he predicted, you know, right from the, well, we predicted, you know, right in the early 90s, that when, and I'm sorry to say this, but when Manchester United, you know, became predominant with the big backers and all that sort of yep. stuff in the formation of the Premier League, it was going to be the start of a slippery slope. And this is where we've ended up. Yes. Uh, yeah. You know, two, possibly three dictatorships owning, owning football clubs. Well, anyway, going to how we sort of set the campaign up is that, you know, I was outraged, absolutely outraged that the uh, Premier League okayed the deal. And also, you know, when I saw the reaction of the Newcastle fans, um, I sort of understood it. On the one hand, I understood they were celebrating, you know, that uh, that Ashley had gone. Yes. In fact, I was involved with other fans. We were involved in the Ashley campaigns. You know, I actually remember linking up with the trade unions and they had a banner, we had a big banner there, Sports Direct Shame. You know, yeah. it was about the, yeah. the, the zero-hour contracts and all that sort of stuff. So, like, bloody hell, you know, it's like from, from the frying pan into the fire. Because if we can campaign against Ashley, what he was doing to his workers, you know, come on. It should be easy to campaign against murderers too. So, you know, what happened was, you know, it's actually quite easy now to, to link up with people. I met a guy called Dan who set up No Saudi Tune. Okay, is yes. A, the Twitter account. I did stuff on Facebook and then we linked up. But it was during the pandemic. And what happened was we, it was harder, you know, obviously to link up with people. But we had a meeting and the first meeting, we had, you know, I had quite a few people. It was online, an online meeting. We had a few people speaking. And then we started to like, you know, build the Twitter account. It was, you know, you know, had a few hundred and all that sort of stuff. But we started putting out, you know, quite a strong message that, the, you know, we didn't want a dictatorship taking over the club. And then we had a meeting in Newcastle, which was a guy from trade, Andrew Feinstein, who okay. was an Arsenal fan. He got involved with it and he said, look, he says, I'll come and speak about their Yemen, what the Saudis are doing there. We got more people with that. And then we got some sort of key people got involved from that. 
And then when it was coming up to the anniversary, we were trying really hard to get like a profile on Tensei, but the, the Evron Chronicle, which is the, the local yes, paper, yeah. and, the, and the, 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 the radio, BBC Radio Castle, they, they weren't interested. It was, and you know, you could see that it was almost like they had like a, a giant megaphone, like, you know, pumping out propaganda. Oh, everything's great. These orders and all that sort yeah. of stuff. And it was, it was absolutely woeful. Like, you know, it was terrible. But anyway, because of the anniversary, we got in touch with, with the Chronicle. We did an interview with them and then we were on Radio Newcastle. And then it started to really take off, you know. And so the important thing that happened to us as well, we a Saudi human rights group got in touch with us. Okay. And they basically, you know, I can't say that much about them, can't use names and all that yes, because course, yeah. people are under threat and all that sort of stuff. Well, they got in touch with us based in, you know, European country. And they said, look, we've been watching what you've been doing. We really like it. And we said, we had a meeting with this guy. We'll call him, you know, Ali, Mr. Ali. And he, he uh, it was amazing, actually, what he said. He said, he says, I, he says, I was a Newcastle fan. And he goes, I, I said, Alan Shearer was my hero. Right. And, I goes, and, I, and he said, I just couldn't believe when, when the Saudis, when the regime took over, that people were dressing up in Arab gear. And so you see, we, we were like all the exiles, you know, people in Saudi Arabia was, who are fighting for human rights. You just couldn't understand this. Mm-hmm. Well, we thought that, you know, English people, British people would have a different. And so anyway, we explained the situation to him and all that. And he said, look, he said, what you've got to do is you've got to highlight individual cases. Yes. You've got to highlight the women who, who have been in prison. Humanizing. Salma al-Shabaab and, and Nora al-Qatani. And these eight, nine, eight young, nine now, but young guys. So we did a, did a, um, we did a protest outside the ground. It was, it was a, get, get when we played Chelsea. And this was a, this was a real lesson about how you get, you know, get a campaign established because the Saudi bots have got like a troll farm and the bot yes. farm in, in, in Riyadh. And they started, you know, and they, they did things like, you know, who are you? Where do you live? Yeah. You're not in your castle fan. They started the stuff, you're all Sunderland fans. Now they say we're all Manchester United fans as well. That's another thing. It's pretty, pretty funny. And anyway, they started that. And we got physical threats. They actually said, if you come, we'll, we, you know, we're, we're going to do this to you. We're going to do that. So we put a statement out and we said, look, we think the vast majority of Newcastle fans will respect our right to, to protest. And that's the way it was. We said it was going to be a silent protest. But actually, it turned out we got, we're talking to loads of people. People were coming up and saying, look, I don't totally agree with you, but, you know, you've got the right to yeah. do that. And also, the final thing was like the, the, that turning point, talking to the Saudis, and started giving them more information. And you just, one, one of the guys in the campaign, guy who writes a lot of the articles and that on the website, he just said, he was a season ticket holder. And he said, in all good conscience, he said, I can't go anymore. He yeah. said, I can't go. When I hear what the stories of what's happening to you, you know, and all that sort of stuff. He says, just can't, uh, uh, can't do it. And so we don't say to Newcastle fans, boycott. We don't say that. We're not saying because that. Because it's hard to tell a fan how to support, isn't it? Yeah. Of course, Mike. Of course, some, some people, but some people can't go. But one of the things, the, the, the bottom line that we're saying, is we're saying to Newcastle United supporters trust, we're saying to war flags, we're saying to the fanzines, we're saying to them, you said before the takeover that you would hold the owners to account. Well, come on, right. do it. What about a banner in the ground? You know, at least Man United fans have had a banner against that. You know, there should be some banners calling for human rights in, in mm. Saudi Arabia. That's the least they can do, you know? It's interesting, isn't it? Because it's so much easier to, to build a campaign when the owners are failing. So in the case of Newcastle, Mike Ashley, in the case yep. of United, the Glazers. And, and even then, it's been hard at United. But you, you see the culmination now of years and years of protests and, and trying yeah. to build that campaign to to get a solid message against those owners. When it comes to a state, 
that's very different because the propaganda machine kicks into action, as you said, the, the bot farms, the PR, the money. And I imagine for you, getting your message to break through that human rights mean something in the face of now on the field success and, and off the field growth is particularly yeah. difficult. Yeah. Well, one of, one of the one of the guys who's wrote an article for the we've got we've actually had two editions of a fanzine. Yeah, it's very good, by the way. Yeah. Yeah, hailstones in the desert. The reason why it's called that is quite you know you probably think this is you know quite ironic, but when we started, it was really funny because they said, "Oh, these are all snowflakes." You know? So like two things came out is that if you're in favour of human rights, you're a Sunderland fan or a, or a snowflake. So we said, you know, to stand up for human rights in in Saudi Arabia. You're not a snowflake. You're a you're a hailstone in the desert. Right. You're hard people, really, really hard. Anyway, one of the guys in the campaign wrote an article. He's like 50, 50 odd years, and, the, and he said, "I've seen everything." And he said, "Look, but I, I can see what's happening." He said, "Basically, the Saudis have got you know money's no object. I think they paid an American PR firm almost a million dollars, right? Mm-hmm. So there's loads of things they're doing with that, you know. But he said, but what basically what they're going to do is they're going to try and." Uh, neutralize the majority of fans, you know, and they'll do that, you know, but with buying the players and have, hopefully having a bit of success and all that. He says, but, you know, watch it. Mark my words, he says, they'll get like a, they'll get a, a layer of fans who are prepared to defend them. And it's true. Yes, you know, yeah. not, not all the people, if you follow the Twitter account, not all the people who are attacking us and like, you know, praising the Saudis are Saudi bots. Yeah. Some of them are Newcastle fans. Now the thing is, as you know, we're in a minority, we know that and we admit it, you know, we're a minority. But we can't allow that. You can't, you know, Newcastle, like Manchester, you know, it's a working class area, massive, you know, labor movement, trade mm-hmm. union traditions. How do we allow, you know, that, that, that to be a normal thing? So basically, we've been pushing back against the normalization, you know, the normalization right. of having a dictatorship in a club, which is obviously didn't happen in Man City. You know, it, I think some people tried, but perhaps people didn't know as much then. Well, it's interesting, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. No, I, I think fans have been educated, but but yep. it's very hard for fans not to be deeply wedded to the emotional thing, which is why football is so yep. powerful and why it's such a great tool for, course, yeah. for sport yep. washing. And, and we, we can get into what sport washing means as well. But at City, what happened was obviously they weaponized the fans, and that was a deliberate yep. part of the strategy. And it's been very interesting watching United fans over the years because the initial reaction... Mm-hmm was it's, it's, there's lots of money, that's kind of unfair. And then, of course, people get more engaged with what it's really about and more deeply mm. into the topic and understand what states owning clubs really means. And so United fans have been educated, but I still see a very small number of United fans pushing back against potential Qatari ownership because it's yeah. the fastest route to success. And and this is yeah. why sport washing works yeah. and why you're in such a difficult position, I think, pushing back yeah. against the Newcastle owners. During the campaign, so it's more than a year now. And, you know, obviously you start, you learn things, you, you realise, you know, how to approach people, what kind of things to say and all that. And a lot at the beginning, a lot of the Newcastle fans were like, were being, you know, had a bit of a persecution complex, you know, in saying that, you know, everyone's against it. You know, and we, we explained, you know, you know, when, when you talk to our fans, people are not like against Newcastle fans. You know, people, you know, they used to be the second favorite club, you know, during the Keegan time mm-hmm. and all that. So what it is, is like a lot of fans, you know, I, I wouldn't say, I'm not talking about Man United fans because you, you've got your own fight going on at the moment, you know, but I think fans of the other 17 clubs, Probably, if you ask them and say, no, no, we're totally against 
uh, states owning clubs and we support human rights. And so one of, the, one of the things we've sort of raised with Newcastle fans is not to get used to this money because it's not gonna, the tap's not going to be on forever. Loads of reasons. One, one reason is what's happened today with the tightening up of the you know, question of human rights. Yes. We can go into, go into later. But the other, fact, the other factor is that, you know, what's in front of us? You know, it's not just about Newcastle. It's not just about Manchester City. Basically, what you've got is if, they're allowed, if Qatar are allowed to take over Manchester United, you've got to have like a Middle East football arms race. And sure. the thing is, the other cl- other clubs, even like the you know the big business who own the other clubs, are going to think, well, what the hell is going to happen to us, like you know, because the state has bottomless resources, mm-hmm. it'll completely go skew with the the Premier League. But also, it's going to affect La Liga, it's going to affect uh, the Italian football, German football, because anyone, any agent, can say, well, well, we'll go to Newcastle, we'll go to Manchester United, because the wages. The thing is, that people don't yeah. realize. The effect. So the things I, I we think, you know, the Premier League obviously under under pressure from you know from our well not just our campaign but loads of campaigns, Amnesty and the rest of it, and they've had, they've put this they've put this clause in, it's a bit of a tightening up. But the other thing is, well, they're probably thinking, well, what's going to happen to football? They've looked at it, and it, well, you know, obviously we're going to get surmise, surmise things and think what will happen. But you know, it's it's typical, um, you know, short term thinking from the Tories. You know, Boris Johnson got a call from his mate, Mohammed bin Bonestock, you know, said, lent on him. He said, you know, you've got, you got to, like, push this through. Perhaps the, the Premier League went against it. Perhaps they went against it, you know. But in the end, it went through. Yes. And now look at the consequences. It's, like, been constant for a year. Yes. I mean, it's interesting you brought up the the, the regulations being tightened today. But really, yeah. the, the, the tightening. So so what so what's happened? The, the Premier League has adopted... A new owners and directors test, which includes some um, provisions around the global human rights sanctions list, right? So th- there's basically the Premier League saying that we're not going to deal with that issue. We're going to leave it to government. And the global no. human rights sanctions list, as adopted in 2020, by the way, is basically the yeah. regimes that are currently not favorite of the UK government. So Afghanistan, Mauritania, a few others. It's There's a few terrorists on that list. But Mohammed bin Salman and his cronies are not. Neither are the Qataris, both actually good friends with the UK government. Yeah. And and I think far from depoliticizing like ownership, it makes it very political because it says that oh, yeah. the Premier yeah. League is completely open to whoever you are as long as the UK government are open okay with it. The UK government foreign policy is very tied up with Qatar because oh. of liquid and natural gas. And so so if the Qataris win the bidding, if they decide they wish to win the bidding, because of, as you said, state wealth will always trump yeah. private wealth, then it's going to be fine with the UK government. That won't be the block. Yeah. Well, yes. they, they, these are just like initial thoughts. And, you know, obviously everyone who's involved in these campaigns is going to be like, you know, thinking about what, what, what the Premier League's done. But think about it. They, they had that meeting last last week where Richard Masters, who yes. was like, you know, was he? Are we investigating or are we not investigating the uh, Saudis? Obviously, they're under a bit of uh, pressure. Now, the thing is, you, I think you've got to take the the bigger picture, right? In the court of football fan opinion, like I said before, majority of football fans don't want states and they don't want human rights abusing dictatorships running our football clubs, okay? And the, 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 there's like a fine sort of balance that the Premier League got in because they want the money, don't they? They want the money. Here yep. But there's also one of the, one of the things that they've, they've said is that there'll be a review every year of, of you know, or periodically of who, who the owners are. Now, we, we think that 
could have gone much further. Like we're, we're going to come, we're, we're going to be like linking up with Man United fans. Actually, this this weekend before the the match, we're going to put out a joint statement. And one of the things that we're saying is that individuals linked to to, to the regimes shouldn't be allowed to own clubs. But also that we, there has to be something in there about states right. not owning clubs. And I, and I think there's a lot that football fans can do on that. So our plan, you know, obviously, as I said before, this is a Newcastle campaign, but we've realised that we've got to link up with fans of, yes, other, you know, right. of other, other clubs. We put the football rivalries aside, but think about the future of the game. So one of our things that we're thinking about is that actually get right into all the football supporters associations and saying, get in touch with your representatives, get in touch with your, with your MPs and demand that, that states are, you know, states are... are are not allowed to own clubs, and you know I think there's been a lot of push uh, toward towards that, and I think we can we can keep it going. I, I know some people today are disappointed that it hasn't gone far enough, and there's ways to get out of it. But what I'm saying is, like in the wider picture, most people, most football fans, say, well, you know, these people shouldn't be allowed to. Uh, I've noticed, like today, like, we, yeah. we put stuff on on uh, social media, and loads of like the lawyers are coming, but they're not lawyers, like fans are saying, but it doesn't mean the directors. Well, who cares? You know, it's like anyone, anyone involved in a dictatorship uh, who has any position is implicated. The important thing, and I think you're completely right about this, the distinction in the ownership rules around entities mm. and that question, like, can you have multiple clubs, is very is a very similar get-out clause to the distinction that the yeah. Premier League is making around the owners and directors tests and the global sanctions list. They're basically saying, hey, we're going to punt it to someone else. We're going to kick the can down the road and we're, we don't want to have to make a decision about this. And part of the reason I think that that happened is that although there was apparently some unhappiness amongst Premier League clubs about how the Premier League pushed the Newcastle takeover through, the owners at United, Arsenal, Liverpool, and a number of other clubs would yeah. quite like there to be a market to sell to at some point. And so while on the one hand, they may say, hmm, we're not sure if we want state money competing with us for just the four Champions League spots, they would sell to, in a heartbeat. FSG, the Glazers at United, even the new yeah. owners at Chelsea, Clear Lake, who will want to get out at some point. West Ham is currently for sale. Everton is most definitely for sale and so on. They, they all want an exit for their teams too and their investments. And, and so this is why the Premier League clubs haven't pushed back against uh, state yeah. ownership as well. It was a unanimous vote today though, wasn't it? It was a unanimous vote on the, uh, on, on taking yeah. the yeah because yeah. because yeah. it it doesn't it doesn't exclude the owners at City or Newcastle and the prospective owners at, at Manchester United either. I'm looking at it now. I've got it in front of us. This is a new disqualifying event for human rights abuses based on global human rights sanctions regulations 2020. Okay, they can say that. Okay, yeah. they can say that. But as I say, the average football fan's going to say, you know. We, we know what Mohammed bin Salman done. We know what the Abu Dhabi dictators have done. We know what they've done in, in Qatar. And they can, try, they can try all different ways. You know, we, we've been approached. And I'm not saying we're going to do this, but we've been approached by lawyers who say, there's, there's some cases here to actually, you know, to take up some, you know, take up some actions against them. You know, you, you had the, the cup final against you lot, yeah, against mm-hmm. the, the cup final, the, the brother of Mohammed bin Salman sitting in a box with his, with his um, scarf on. Yeah. No. Now, this guy, okay, he's like he's known as like the money man for the regime. 
Okay, it's like it's like the mafia, isn't it? You know, the you know, or the lawyer for the the Godfather. How he didn't kill anyone, but he's like, you know, he was actually sure. you know giving them their money, you know, that sort of stuff. So you know, who are these people? There's some of them turned, you know, some regime figures have turned up at, at St James's Park. It's been mentioned in the Evening Chronicle, and they haven't got space to say what these people have done. Yeah, and, yeah. You know, we we've actually had to go away, find out who they are, and say, you know, these people have been. You know, kids are being torturers and all that sort of stuff. So, you know, this this idea we're doing well and all that sort of stuff, forget it. You know, we've got to have some ethics and some morals in you know in football. And I, I think we're at a turning point in football. I, I do hope so, yeah. The media say, you mentioned it a couple of times, I do think that's really interesting because they're complicit. Obviously, this is part of the point. You co-opt the media. Uh, yeah. and that's why buying a football club is so effective as a, mm-hmm. as a tool of state propaganda. And what specifically happens, local media particularly, want access. And so if yeah. Luke Edwards at The Telegraph or George Cullen... Yes, Culkin, is it? Yeah. Culkin, sorry, at The <laughs> Athletic come out very strongly against the owners, they're going to lose their access. And and so they're part yeah. of the process and they're a useful tool for mm-hmm. the regime. And the same will happen at Manchester United. I mean, in fact, it does already for a different reason with the Glazer family. But if the Qataris take over, no one will want to lose their media access. And so media criticism mm-hmm. and media context, which is just as important, will not happen as we'd expect it. So yeah. it becomes... People like you and, yeah. and other fans with their own platforms have to speak out for anyone to hear anything. I think hey, all, all, we're, all we're asking is for the for the for the local press to do their job, even yeah. if they just like followed up on a few things. The, the interesting thing about that as well, though, I, I think it's you know I don't think there's any conspiracy or anything like that. But money talks, you know. If mm-hmm. you listen, you can hear it, you know. And you, obviously, what they're doing is um, basically there's a lot of largesse, as they call it, you know, going around. But you know. Let's give one one example. They've said the, the Saudis are going to increase the value of the club by by ten times. Okay, so you know into the billions or whatever. Okay, no, there's people think, well, I can get some of that. You know, it's like if that money's money's around. You know, one thing I've noticed, like one of the fanzines has just like had a complete revamp, and they're putting out articles at a lot twice a day. Before it used to be fans writing, but now it's like loads. Of, it looks really, you know, it's being revamped. There's loads of podcasts, there's loads of YouTubers, great, you know, all talking about Newcastle. But they, they did the, they've had two trips to Newcastle, they've had two trips to Saudi, to Jeddah and to Riyadh, yeah? And they invited fans there, you know, fans went, they, they had like a meet and greet and all that sort of stuff. You know, they, obviously they know how to how to do it and they get people on board, you know, and they mm-hmm. say, oh, you know, we're doing this, we're, do, we're doing that, it's better access and all that sort of stuff. And, you know, during the time of Ashley, the Chronicle was actually banned from from the ground because they criticised Ashley. So, you know, right. if Ashley was, you know, if we criticised Ashley for the things he done quite correctly, you know, why aren't they, why aren't they just, just saying, like, giving some facts in the paper about, you know, about the 81 people who were executed before the, yes. before the Chelsea match last season, you know? You know? What, what are your <laughs> thoughts on some of the more prominent Newcastle players? Because Alan Shearer's, I feel... I mean, by the way, I, we used to make fun of Alan Shearer on this podcast. I mean, United fans like to make fun of Alan Shearer generally for historical reasons. Uh, that's it. Interview's over. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. Anyway, used to make fun of him. Used to call it Alanisis, you know, the terrible pundit. And I, I felt like he was probably the hardest working pundit in football because he became mm-hmm. a very good pundit. Yeah. And he obviously, very obviously worked at becoming better at that job. 
But his tendency, and tell me if you think I'm wrong here, after the takeover has been to say, oh, I'll talk about that later. He put out one article in The Athletic saying, oh, I have concerns. And then nothing else since. And he'll, I'll talk about it later. Not now. Yeah. We'll talk about it later. And that, that seems yeah. to be his strategy. What do you feel about Newcastle Well, we've got, we've got into this. And this has been like an ongoing thing. You know, you know that we, we were approached by the brother of a, a, a young Saudi who'd escaped. And his right. family had been in, in, in prison. They were basically holding his brothers hostage and all that. We got him in Morocco and they illegally extradited them. So the, our Saudi friends asked us to do like a campaign. So the brother, this is quite unusual eh, because Saudis have to be really careful, but the brother, right. the guy thought, two of my brothers have already been like in, in prison, so I'm going to speak out. So he wrote a letter and he used his name and he wrote directly to Eddie Hell and he asked Eddie Hell, you know, we, we went to the ground, we read out the letter and all that, and we got a load of stick with him. How dare you bring Eddie Hell into this? Said, well, he's the manager. Hmm. He's the coach of the, of, the, of the club. And he said, Eddie Hell actually said, right at the beginning, if you ask, he goes, I don't know enough about Saudi Arabia. He said, I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna like do some research on it. I read the Guardian and the Times. Okay, he's been twice. He's visited the country. He's read the, the newspapers. Can he not make a statement? Okay. Now this young guy said, Almad, he said, he said, he said, you think, Mister, you know, Eddie. He said, you don't, you think that you can't have an effect. He said, if you said something for my brother, it would have an effect. It would, because they hate bad publicity. Sure. So basically, if they, we said at the cup final. If not now, then when? If you don't speak up now, when you all yes. everyone in the world's watching, you should have said something, you know. But the same goes for the same goes for Alan Shearer. Did you know Alan Shearer stood up for for the free speech, the right of free speech of his mate Gary Lineker? Marvelous, marvelous solidarity. Say, you know, same with all the other, you know, all the other pundits. I love the workers at the BBC. Fantastic, you know, human free speech is a is a human right. Now Salma Al Shabaab. Nora Al-Qatani have been in prison for 45 and 27 years for tweeting mild criticism. So we asked, we've asked periodically Alan Shearer to say something. And loads of fans come in defense, don't bring him into it. He's already said he's against it. He says, oh, but being against it means saying something now yeah. when they need yeah. your help. These people are asking for help. You know, and you know, there's families of other prisoners, young guys that were on death row and that sort of mm-hmm. stuff. They've got in touch with Messi. They've got in touch with Ronaldo. Because, you know, Ronaldo's yeah. taking a lot of money. Messi is an ambassador. It's incredible. An ambassador for, for tourism. And he's got to get millions from them. They're brought to them. So why shouldn't Saudis write to Alan Shearer into, into Eddie Howe? Why, why, why not? You know, they said they were going to hold them to account. Why, why, why don't they do it? And a lot of fans are quite cynical. Well, I think it's fed by the media. Not, oh, what, what effect would Alan Shearer have? It would have a massive effect. Well, he said yes. We, 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 are, we are here to him. If you listen to this, please say something. Say something about individual cases. Help yeah. them and all that. You know, that, it would be it would be a really important thing to uh, important thing to do. You know, so if, if Alan Shearer spoke up or Eddie Howe, it would give a permission yep. structure for for other supporters and other prominent yeah. Newcastle yeah. players, ex players, players to say something. Well, it's a player at the moment, isn't it? I don't know if you you noticed this, right? But before the England match, here in Trippier did an article which was appeared in the mag, right? Mm-hmm. And it was great, great. Ma- and he said, this is my personal reason for speaking up in support of the Ukrainian people. Mm-hmm. Fantastic. And because he, he, he played, he, he lived in, he was staying in, in Ukraine for a, for a little bit. And we thought, great, fantastic. He's got a social conscience. 
So we said straight away, well, you know, if you can speak up for the Ukrainian people, why not speak up for these young Saudis? Why yes. not speak up for these Saudi women? And again, we've got loads of stick for that. Well, what's the difference? I don't know. Are human rights only for Ukrainians? And they deserve it. Yeah. yeah. But what, what about the Saudis? You know? No, no like, you're, you're totally right. Yeah. No, yeah. Yeah? no coherence in it, you know? Yeah. No, no, it's, it's very true. Human rights should be for anyone. And I, I noticed this myself, actually. We were quite critical on the pod and on our Twitter account about the Qatari World Cup uh, and about the prospective Qatari ownership of United yeah. and the accusations of Islamophobia do come quite thick and fast. Yes. Some yes, some yes. driven out of obvious bot farms, but <laughs> but often just ordinary people who've, who've been co-opted. And, and I, I do find that kind of interesting because, you know, obviously going to defend myself. I'm in favor of human rights, guys. It's for everyone, you know, religions, <laughs> yes. colors, men, women, and beyond that too. And and I, I think that's that's for me the most troubling aspect of the the takeover yeah. in that it's going to split and it's going to well, it's going to co-opt my fellow Manchester yeah. United fans and it's going yeah. to split the fans. And it's clearly happened at Newcastle too. Well, you know what the what the, the Important thing that I mentioned before about the, you know, Saudis, Saudi dissidents, or I wouldn't call them dissidents, Saudi, just normal working class Saudi people, football yep. fans, get in touch with us. That was a very moving, we felt very humble. They invited us to uh, to speak at a human rights conference. And it was incredible. You know, it was like a privilege to hear. But you heard some of the stories and, you know, like absolutely terrible things that that that, mm-hmm. that goes on and these young guys they were arrested when they were when they were under 18 so that's a minor yeah okay yeah so what they do is Mohammed bin Zabin said okay we're not going to kill you know we're not going to execute we're not going to behead children so what they do is they arrest them and it's really cruel they, they arrest them and let them go then when they get to 18 they arrest them again most of them have been tortured in American confessions, you know, in inverted, com- inverted commas. When we raise the cases, the horrible thing is that some fans come and say, oh, there were terrorists, or there were this, there were that, there were that, the rapists. No, no. Bin Salman is executing or trying to get rid of the opposition. This yes. Is the, this is the, this yeah. is the point. You know, this is, this is what they're doing. And so this, this idea that, that we can't do anything, we always say to Newcastle fans is, well, look, you listen to Saudi propaganda on Tenside all the time. Oh, it's a modernizing regime. They're doing this. Look at what they're doing. You know, if they engage with it, with us, they're going to change. Well, they haven't changed one, uh, one bit. They haven't changed at all. Actually, executing more, more people now. But the point about, about, about the Saudi regime is they're using us. It's not right. that we're using them. They're using, they're using your castle, you know? There's an interesting piece in your in your fanzine that can they basically said don't look at what they say look at what they do when it came to lbtq rights yeah. so amanda savely there with a pride flag pride scarf yeah. and the same has happened by the way with paris saint germain i i get this pushback hey the qataris yeah. can't be anti-gay look at neymar wearing a, yeah. a rainbow yeah. shirt and contrast that as you said in your fanzine with what they actually do and i that, that seems to me like one of the key things to take away from this. Like, yeah, ignore the propaganda. Look at actually what is happening. Well, what I think is listen to Saudis as well. Right. Listen to Saudis. You know, we we had a, an article by in, in the second uh, fanzine from a from a Saudi football fan. He was a lawyer, and he was a lawyer for some of these young guys who are on death row. And you know, we, it was we translated from Arabic, and it was like, and I was reading it, and I was thinking, it's like it was so graphic and i thought will people 
actually be able to read it, like, you know, because right. it was incredible. You know, and he was talking about them killing kids and all that sort of stuff. So we, we had a discussion about it and we sort of, you know, we'll put it in the, you know, in terms that people would understand. But I was thinking, you know, on Tyneside, they listen to the Saudi propaganda. Oh, it's time to listen to ordinary Saudis. Mm-hmm. See, the first people who want and need and we should give the solidarity to, it's not the, not the regime, it's to the Saudi people, mm-hmm. you know? This idea that they're all happy, you know, happy with it. This is a, 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 you know, you asked before about sports washing. You know, there's one aspect which, you know, a lot of, you know, a lot of the what aboutery as well. Yeah. You know, everybody's talking about it. Well, what we would say about that is, oh, some of the classifiers is, well, you know, you're talking about it all the time, human rights. Perhaps I said, no, no, you told us to shut up. When we started the campaign, they said, no, don't say anything. Alan Shearer shouldn't say anything. Kieran, Kieran shouldn't say anything. You know, Eddie Helshin's here. So they tell them to shut up. And then they say, oh, everybody knows about human human rights. So they can't have it both ways. Yeah. But the other aspect, the other aspect is sports washing within Saudi Arabia. And this is this is what people don't realize, is that obviously it's a young country. Millions of young people. They love football. They're mad about the football. As you saw at the World Cup, yeah. The, the reason why they, own, why they want to own Newcastle is because yeah, it's a bit of a, an arms race between them. You know, Qatar have uh, Paris Saint-Germain. Then the, they have got, the Abu Dhabi have got Man City. Saudi Arabia needs a, needs a football club as well. But what they can, they can say within the, within the country, look at us. You know, we're at the top table. We've got a Premier yeah. League club. You know, and it, it's for internal. It's for internal um, leverage. Uh, yeah. Uh, yeah. yeah, leverage as well. You know, it's not just in, outside, it's inside as well, you know. I think yeah. it's a really important point. So I think uh, we talked about the education offence and people have come to understand a small part of what sports washing is, and uh, when I when I spoke to Amnesty earlier this year, one of the, and and Fair Square, you might know Nicholas McGinn at Fair Square. Yeah. One of the important points is it's it's not just about the reputational thing; it's for internal uses. It's for about yep. soft power. It's about there's nothing better for global soft power than the Premier League. I mean, nothing on the planet yeah. is, is gives you more access than the Premier League. It's about hard power in the case of the Qataris, mm. so the Saudis don't mm. walk into Doha. It's yeah. as they've threatened to do at any moment for the last 30-something mm. years. It's about economic links. It's about diversification. Mm. All these things are true at the same time, and that's a very hard yeah. message to get across, which I do think yeah. you, you are doing well through your, your fan team. It's a very Thanks, nuanced... Yeah. like It's a great read, by the way. And yeah, I, I do encourage any yeah. listeners to go read it. It's a lesson in, like, how would you build, how would one build a counterbalance or a counterweight to a potential state yeah. ownership of, of United? Yeah. It's certainly something I'm thinking about. Yeah. Uh, because yeah. We, we're all faced with this as fans. Like, what do you do? Do you just yeah. enjoy the fact that, I don't know, Neymar rocks up at United or Mbappe and, and we should go, hey, isn't this wonderful? Finally, we're going to yeah. stick it to City after yeah. all these years. Or, or do we have to go, well, isn't there a price to that? Yeah. Well, it's just, it, it, you know, if you, obviously you've got your team and all that sort of stuff, but it's like, you know, I sometimes think like, Man City fans must be quite lonely, like, because does anyone else celebrate the win? Well, because, no one does, you know? yeah. <laughs> and, and Pep is very frustrated about this, by the way. Yeah. He, he complains yeah. at many press conferences <laughs> that they don't get the credit he feels they deserve. Yeah. So, yeah. Well, I, I, would, I would say, well, to, for me, you know, just a, a, as an aside, Pep Guardiola for me seems like a... Massive contradictions because that you know I heard him during the big movement in Catalonia in 2017 that yep. he was like he came on the news and he like spoke against the brutality of the Spanish national police yep. you know and he, like, he was brutality and all that 
he's never said anything about uh, Abu Dhabi, you know? So to me, it's, you know, these people like Eddie, you know, we can't get into their heads and all that sort of stuff, but it, it, I, I couldn't do it. You know, it just seems so much of a contradiction, you know? Mm-hmm. But you know, especially when, when you're speaking out against police brutality in, in the Spanish state, you know? Yeah, you yeah. don't say anything yeah. about what, you, what your employers are doing, you know? No, that, that's, that's very true. So what's the next step for your campaign? I mean, you've, you've, you've got some, some measure of, of traction, but yes, like, yes. what's your ultimate goal? Okay, well, what, what we think the immediate one is that we've, we're going to put out a joint statement. I don't know when this goes out, but it'll, it'll be out before the match on, on Sunday. And uh, we've linked up with, well, we linked up with the United against Sportswashing, a new, mm-hmm. a new group of Manchester United fans against the Qatari uh, t- takeover. And uh, we'll put that out and um, there'll be like, uh, you know, we'll, we'll be doing some interviews and like I uh, said, but basically we've realised that we have to go beyond Newcastle fans, you know, and we'll, we'll continue trying to convince Newcastle fans to speak up. You know, we, we think, you know, they should, especially the fans groups, the fanzines, they should stick to the, what they said they would do before the takeover and, you know, mention human rights and mention what the Saudi regime's doing. But we think that we've, you know, given the news today, what the Premier League has put out, that we need to like look at the bigger picture and say, look, it'll be a, a movement of fans that'll stop states taking over clubs. You know, mm-hmm. it's like a point of inflection, you know. So, you know, we've, I think we've got to, like, you know, hold them to account on, on the human rights element. Basically, we're going to get in touch with fans of other clubs, other groups. We've linked, we're linking up with the Man United fans, as I've said already. And then say, you know, start like a campaign to put pressure on the you know, MPs and, and get them to that committee and say, you know, it needs to be, needs to be hardened up. But I, I think this thing about, you know, what's happened today, you know, you, you've pointed out the drawbacks, you know, it hasn't gone far enough. But like I keep saying, I think you've got to see the wider picture. I think mm-hmm. the argument, where we are winning the argument, you know, I think that the, now I don't just mean us, the, you know, our campaign, I think football fans who are against states and, and in favor of human rights are winning the argument, you know, I think that's, that's clear. So I think we just got to keep going, you know, and, and have more events, more, more meetings, you know. I think we're going to try and link up with, some, you know, some MPs who are, who are against, okay. who are in favor of our, our demands. But so it's like, well, one of the things that's come across, and it's, you know, in a way it's quite disappointing, you know, but it's something that we've got to try and sort out. But we find it amazing that, you know, most of the MPs in, in the Northeastern councillors are Labour, you know, it's incredible. Mm-hmm. But some of them claim to be left-wing. But I haven't heard one of them who've come out and yeah. said we shouldn't have a dictatorship running our club. It was it. How can you not? Even if one yeah. or two came out clearly and said. So what we're going to do? We're not saying that's a substitute for a grassroots campaign, but a grassroots com- campaign can demand that these representatives who are supposed to be left and socialists should be speaking up, right, right. For, for you know for human rights, and they should say that this. They, the best example that has happened recently, I don't know if you, you know about this, was incredible. But the Newcastle City Council announced last year that they were breaking links with China. Okay? They had a twin, a twin town. And one of the reasons was because of the, well, a few reasons, but they said because of human rights abuses, mm-hmm. but also because of the torturing the Ugar people, you know, the, yep. the Muslim people in there. And they said, that's it, we're breaking, they were making these speeches. And, and then on the other hand, They've got, you know, official relationship with Newcastle United. It's great that the Saudis are there. Who are the biggest torturers in the world at the yeah, minute? Like, yeah, yeah. You know? I know. Chinese? 
the, yeah. the Saudis. You yeah. know? Come on. So there's got to be coherency on, on this, you know? I, I, yeah. I agree. And But councils get co-opted as well. So in Manchester, exactly. Manchester exactly. Council, Labour Council has been cap in hand to the Abu Dhabi's Abu Dhabi government for investment, quote unquote. And and there's been significant investment in Manchester and, and parts of Manchester that were extremely run down now have brand new buildings all over the place. And and But that development has come at a price. One is Manchester City Council has clearly been co-opted by the, the Abu Dhabi royal family, clearly. And two, there's a price to be paid for local people who have seen their rents massively yeah. increase as a result of that, quote unquote, investment. And, yeah. and I wouldn't be surprised if the same thing doesn't happen in Newcastle as well, because it's part of the playbook, which says we'll weaponize fans and we'll weaponize local communities by showing that we give back. Right. Look at the investment that's happening. And, and already those promises have been made in the prospective bid from the Qatari royal family yeah. as well. And, and yeah. you can see that it'll, it'll happen again. No, well, we yeah. followed that with Manchester. You know, and I, I remember reading an article. I can't remember the name of the. It was in The Guardian, but he's well, analysed the, the, this investment that they'd supposedly put in. It's for David Conn. Like, you know, for, yeah. Yeah, for richer, for, you know, for rich, richer people and it's affected. And then, you know, I think they'll use the same playbook. When they are using the arguments, they say, "Oh, we're going to invest in." What you know, what we would say is, well, "Why can't we build our own <laughs> stuff?" You know, why can't we find the money and and do it? You know, and also you're asking about you know the the long term as well. Things change, you know, as well. You probably tell from what I'm saying that I haven't got much faith in Keir Starmer, you know, in a Labour government. But governments can change, you know, sure. and things, you know, rules can change as well. But one of the factors that a lot of people don't really understand. It's incredible what's happening in the Middle East. You know, you've got almost like a revolution yeah. of women in in, yeah, in, yeah. in Iran. Yeah. What you know, and again, you've got to ask the question: Why is Mohammed bin Salman, you know, executing so many people? Why is there so many people in prison? Why are they torturing people? Why are they putting women in prison? Because they fear revolution. You know, yes. and the thing is, do you think you know? Somebody said to us the other day, do you think do you think like if you had a democratic a democratic Qatar, they would spend I don't know how many millions they spent on Neymar, but do you think like a normal a normal Democratic government would be able, was it 400 million? I don't, know, I don't know how much it was. It was a lot. But, you know, you, yeah. you, it just wouldn't be acceptable, would it? Yes. But it's yeah. like, no, we can, it's our money. We can spend what we want, like, you know, which is stolen from the people, obviously. But, you know, this idea, this is, is going to be like 16 years. It's going to be exactly like in Newcastle. It's going to be like Man City. I don't see it. I don't see it. I think, like, there's loads of things that can change, not least world events as well, mm-hmm. you know? And what happens in Saudi Arabia? Well, that, that is very true. And it's a good point to end on because I think yeah. world events do drive a lot of this. And and we saw change Chelsea, who were owned by a Vladimir Putin-linked oligarch. And we all knew about that. And we all yes. said it. <laughs> and But yeah. world events changed changed what happened there. So if like, Abramovich was unfit, why, why is Ben Salman fit? I don't understand that. <laughs> well, this is the contradiction. This is the contradiction. Yeah. But the reason why the Premier League have adopted this new standard of being on the global sanctions list is because they don't have to then deal with that problem yeah. and they can leave it to the UK government as a shield. And and Sal- Ben Salman is not on the list because, one, he's... he's well, I, as listeners will know, I, I now live in the US... He has been given, Mohammed bin Salman has been given protection as a head of state. So so, so he's in the free and clear when it comes to, to chopping up uh, Jamal Khashoggi. And, and similar things, that shield of government is very important for the Qataris yeah. uh, in, in investing, quote unquote, in the UK. 
and for the Abu Dhabi regime and for the Saudis, because, of course, there is yeah. links between the two governments, UK yeah. weapons and logistics yeah. being supplied to wage war in Yemen, for example. Yeah. So yeah, yeah. these things yeah, yeah. are deeply linked and, and also very complex to 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 talk about with fans in social media and to get that nuance across, which is why I was glad we could spend right, 50 right. minutes today going into some depth. So what prediction for Sunday? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh, we can talk about football. <laughs> so, yeah, well, it, it was interesting. I thought Eddie Howe, a very good coach. He's done a great job with Newcastle. It was interesting. I thought how Ten Hag kind of outthought him in the cup final, understood yeah. how Newcastle were going to play and played in a very specific way to counteract that. So I'd, I'd expect something similar from Ten Hag on Sunday. He's a very, very smart coach. One, by the way, Slightly dodgy record on... Anyway, we'll, we'll go into that later. But we, we talked about Mason Greenwood on the last pod and, and Ten Hag's record with Mark Overmars as well. And, and misogyny is a hallmark of the Qatari regime. So it's all wrapped up into a single thing. But anyway, Ten Hag, very good coach. I think he'll probably come up with a plan on Sunday. We are missing Casemiro, though, which is a big loss. Well, you, well, you know what I, what I hope? I think, you know, as I say, may the best team win and fail in that. Kieran to score... A penalty in the last minute, it was yeah. an unjust penalty, and that, and in the press conference afterwards, say I support human rights in Saudi Arabia. <laughs> yes. That's what I want. Yeah. <laughs> well, good luck with that one, John. Thanks for joining me. I appreciate your insight into into the campaign, and best of luck. Great. It's a pleasure.